Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. On the power, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in the inner being. Now that's Ephesians 3.16 and over the last two weeks I've been preaching out of 2 Corinthians 4.16 which says, though the outward man is being wasted away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day after day. So rather than talking about the renewal this morning, we're going to be talking about the power of the renewal. Ephesians 3.16, let's look at verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, there it is again, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to, here it is again, his power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul, in writing to Timothy in the second book, first chapter, said this, For God did not give us the spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And it's on that power that the Lord has given to us that we want to preach this morning. Two verses after that, he's saying to Timothy, beginning chapter 3, in the last days, and here's the reverse of that. In the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here, here's the reverse of it. Having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. The power of God. Every once in a while we need to remind ourselves what God wants to do through his power. The Old Testament draws our attention to the power of God about probably 160 times that word is mentioned. The power of God. Much of the time through the prophets, it's on his work of creation. And through the Psalms and through the prophets, Jeremiah, for example, says, but God made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. And in Romans, we have the same thing picked up about the Old Testament. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. God created the world and the universe and all that is by his power. I can't imagine what that is. Uh, I, I mentioned Wednesday night that I love to read out of the... Uh, National Ge Geographic, the Magellan spacecraft that's out there taking pictures and sending them back. Uh, how what it's seeing is uh, astounding. Our scientists, what the Magellan is finding on every planet is different than what they expected. And there's no explanation for it. it it's almost comical to read down through it to say, well, here's what we think 
cause to this on this planet, but that'll probably change tomorrow. We have no idea how this got here or what's going on and why this is causing this to happen. There's just no... And it says, every planet is so individual. Why, the hand of God. <laughs> he created it all by His power. And then we see not only Him in creation, we see, this, it's briefly mentioned as if it's kind of casual in Genesis. <laughs> in those early chapters, God created, and the, and the description that's listed there so that we know who did it, so that we can give credit to the one who created all things. But then as we read further through the Old Testament, we see his power coming upon people. Samson, the scripture says in Judges, went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring towards him, and here it is. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. What happened? He tore the lion apart with his bare hand. What caused that? The Spirit of the Lord. In power. The Spirit came upon Samson in power. Later on, we read, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power, and he went down to Ashkelon and struck down thirty of their men. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him, shouting, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power, and he tore the ropes apart just like they were made of matchsticks. He's not the only one. When Samuel anointed David, it's recorded this way, and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Elijah, the power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and turning his cloak into a belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel, outran the chariot. We begin to see the power of God not only manifested in creation in ways that we just can't comprehend, but we now see the power of the Lord coming upon his people in specific ways, and the power of God comes upon the prophets and those that are being used of God so that they do things that are... There's no other explanation of it in that it's the power of God doing it. Daniel, in his writing, said... Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. Jesus came. We see His power in creation. We see the power in the Old Testament times related through the prophets and through what they said and what they did. Jesus came and it said that He returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and the news spread about him in all the countryside. Why? Well, it's best explained by another verse. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all those under the power of the devil because God was with him. All the people were amazed and said to one another, What is his teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders even to evil spirits, and they come out. And we now see the power of God resting on his Son, doing all kinds of miraculous work. Creation. The Old Testament prophets are now on Jesus, and he's doing things that cannot be explained other than by the power of God. One day he was teaching the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. 
And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. You see how the power of the Lord just came upon Jesus. And remember that time that he was walking along the road and the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment and what did he say? The power has gone from me. The power of the Lord rested upon his son. Jesus said, someone touched me and I know the power has gone from me. Not only upon it, it doesn't stop there. There's another step where we begin to see the power of God unfolding and being revealed. In the ninth chapter of Luke, these words are recorded, when Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. Jesus had the power of God resting on him, not only that, but the authority to give that power to whomever he wanted, and he said to his disciples, now you have the, the same authority that you have been seeing me demonstrate. Luke 10 says, I have given authority to you to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. They went out holding their heads up high. Look what Jesus had entrusted to them. The power that he was using. The same kind of power that was astounding people around him. He said, now you've got it. The thing about that power, it was temporary. That power that was given to the disciples was temporary for that ministry. It was, it was really a foreshadowing of what he was going to give them next. Because later on in the book of Luke, about 14 chapters later, we have these words, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now they're going to be clothed with power. And he is going to give them the same kind of power that we've read about from the beginning, about the power of creation, those of the Old Testament saints and prophets, on his son, and now the disciples are going to receive power. All the disciples. Not just those that were in the upper room that day that received the power of Pentecost. Listen to what Romans 15 said. And may the God of hope fill you, <laughs> the Romans with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need not pass up this verse, Acts 1.8, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses of it, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the world. How do we get this power? Well, it's not a Simon the Sorcerer kind of thing. Remember Simon? A man that was known for his power and magic and astounded the people of his day, that is in the 8th chapter of the book of Acts. But when he saw that the power of the Holy Spirit was given by the laying on of the apostles' hands, he reached in his pocket for his wallet and he pulled out a wad and he said, you tell me how much it's going to cost for me to have that power. And the apostles looked back at him and said, you know where your money and you are headed. You cannot buy the power of God. If we don't receive it that way, the power of God is of God and it is a gift. 
Psalm 68. Even in the Old Testament it was recognized, You are awesome, O God, in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. Not a new thing is manifested in a different way. John 19, Jesus said to Pilate, You have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Colossians 2, You have been given fullness in Christ who is the head of every power and authority. How do we get it? It's a gift. Every time you're going to look for how to receive power, you're going to see that it's a gift of God. How do we receive it? Romans 16 begins to give us some insight and as to how we receive the power of God. Romans 1, 16, excuse me. Those of you in quizzing or have been in quizzing in Romans know this verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto, unto, unto salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, said the same thing, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. I start getting excited now. Then it gives us the definition of the gospel. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Where do we get this power of God? It's through the preaching of the gospel. <laughs> now we need to, we don't need to slide through that too fast. As if we all understood the meaning of the gospel. The word gospel means what? Good news, right? The good news of what? You check it and all the way through the scripture when you're talking about the good news, you're talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we believe in what he has done for us, we have understood the gospel. And with that comes the power of God. We don't work for it. We don't earn it. It's a gift for those who believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he came, that we saw the glory of God manifested. And he was bruised for our iniquity. And upon him all of our sins were laid. And he went into death, he was buried, but he was resurrected. And because of that, we believe something happens in us that we go right back and we read about the first one in Genesis. But it said if you believe that, something will happen in your life, you will be a new creation. <laughs> and in that new creation is the power of God. Ladies, were right. We are overcomers because what God has done for us and what he's doing in us. How do we use this power? 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. The power of God is upon our lives so that we can come in and actually begin then to overcome just 
as Jesus overcame the forces of the enemy against our lives, not only does it affect our lives, but it affects the lives of other people. You see, because we've been given power too, that our testimony might, might be made known, and by our testimony, the power of the gospel continues to go forth. Jesus said, I am sending you to, or Paul said, I am sending you to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified in me. The words of Christ. And Ephesians said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. And we've been preaching about this the last two weeks. We do not have to fall for the lies of the enemy. And we don't have to lie to ourselves. Why? Because of the power of God that's come upon us when we believe. Well, what happens to believers who have the power of God? Read about it in the book of Acts. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why do you look surprised? Why do you stare at us as if it's by our own power that we made this man walk? Miracles begin to happen through the work of the church. And Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, We have this treasure in jars of clay. What? That this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I verse out of 2 Peter, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His glory. And the power of God rests upon our lives so that we can live a godly life and our lives can continue to be a testament to those around us. And it's also the power of God so that we can be overcomers of the enemy that we continually confront day after day. The power is so strong for the believer to realize that in the New Testament it's likened to the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Pastor said that's what it is. The power that lives in you is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. In 1 Corinthians, he said, It was sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. We look forward to the day where we're going to go to heaven. We look forward to the day when Christ is either going to take us out of this world or we die and we see him face to face. And we believe that. And we see, it's going to take the power of God to transform this body into a spiritual body. But don't forget, it's the same power that lives in us today. Don't sell yourself short as a Christian. The power of God is resting on your life. If God did it for us from the beginning, from cover to cover in the book, you're no exception. <laughs> he wants to see the power of God resting upon you. Philippians said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being like him in his death. 
He said, Pastor, this always sounds exciting when people talk about the power of God, but that's not where I live. I feel so weak. I can relate to that. So can anybody else who's ever lived. We don't want to preach everything so high as if there are no problems and we don't feel like there's any weakness. Let me just give you a reminder. This power of God is a gift to those who are willing to admit that they are weak and he is strong. The words of Paul, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. You know the rest. Jesus said, for my power is made perfect in me. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It's not in your strength that my Christ makes you strong, it's in your weakness. Because you bring that weakness to him and it humbles you and you get on your knees and you bring it to the Lord and his power rests on you. In 2 Corinthians we have these words, For to be sure he was crucified in weakness, but he lives by God's power, likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power we will live with him to serve you. How do we conclude a message on God's power? By a prayer. Out of Ephesians, Paul says this, praise him. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and his incomparable great power to us who believe. That power is working, is the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Paul realized that in the world, the Christian world in which he lived, there were others who were struggling to get a hold of this concept of power. So what did he, he said, so I'm praying. I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding will see that the power that God used in bringing the world into existence, the power that rests upon those who did mighty things in the Old Testament, the power that rested on his son, the power that raised him from the dead, and the power that fell on the day of Pentecost is the same power that's resting on you. To the Thessalonians, he said this, with this mind we constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. There's one verse I want to leave in closing. Being fully persuaded that God has power to do what he has promised in your life. Don't be defeated. <laughs> it's the power of God that rests upon you. What I've declared this morning has not been my word. Than his. If it's not working in your life, then make that a part of your prayer. God, open my eyes that I might see the power that you want to rest upon my life so that through my faith I can see what you really want to do. Did you notice 
as we went through the Old Testament, we could have spent all the time there. But that the power was manifested in different ways for different folks. David didn't go out and do what Samson did. In some ways he did. Elijah didn't do what David did. In some way. But there, it was, the power of the Lord rested upon the individuals as they had need and as they were willing to submit to Jesus. You allow the Holy Spirit to, to rest upon you in power according to your need. And just one caution, if it's not working, go back to where we started in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Remember what it said about the last days? The antithesis of the power of God. It said in those days people will, will be lovers of themselves and money and pleasure. They will be abusive, disobedient, and brutal. Unholy, unforgiving, ungrateful. Slanderous, without self-control, and treacherous. You can take that list and analyze it. Look at yourself. Let that be a mirror for your own life and say, Lord, is there anything like that as a part of my life? Every one of those things on that list is a robber of power. Remember the rest of that verse? For those people will have the form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Do not deny the power of God in your life. Check that list so that the things that correspond to the power of God will be seen on your life. The opposite of that list is to be holy, to love God to be forgiving, to be grateful, to be kind, compassionate, self-controlled, and all of a sudden we begin to have the fruit of the Spirit. That's the power of God. It's not a little thing. <laughs> It'll defeat the enemy every time you meet him. The power that God wants to rest upon your life. And remember, it comes upon those who are weak. That's why the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes become so precious. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? The power of God will rest upon them. And we are overcomers. Overcomers in this life, as the ladies sang about. As we have talked about the power of God if you have longed for some of those things to happen in your life. And if you've been struggling at a certain point, maybe you just want to come to that place this morning of prayer before you leave and say, Lord, I, I really would like to live there. Having the power of God rest upon it. Don't look at your own abilities. It's a gift to be received. It's a gift to those who will come in their weakness and bring themselves to the Lord and say, God, I want your power to be demonstrated in my life. As we close the service this morning, I want you to take your hymnal and turn to 241. We're going to sing in closing, Let Him Have His Way With Thee. And in this hymn, there's a reference to the power of God. His power can make you what you ought to be. Let him have his way with thee. I want us to stand as we close this service. And before the instruments begin to play, I want us to...
bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it's by Your divine power You created the world. It's by Your divine power that Jesus accomplished all that He did when we read about His life's work. It's by Your divine power that all the miracles of the Old Testament happen. And Lord, You're still working miracles today. We have testimony right here in this congregation of Your divine power. And as we live each week and every day, we have a tendency to forget that the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. For that one, Lord, who just wants to pray before they leave this morning, we pray that you would give them the freedom to come and kneel, talk to you. Thank you for the power of God through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that sets us free. We remember the day when you spoke to us and we were liberated from sin. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of God that's available to us this morning. And as we sing this hymn, may the power of God rest upon each of us. Here's our prayer. Would you live for Jesus and be always pure and good? Would you walk with Him within the narrow road? Would you have him bear your burden, carry all your load? Let him have his way with thee. His heart can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your soul and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will be one for him to have his way with you. Would you have him make you free and follow at his call? Would you know the peace that comes by giving hope? Would you have him save you so that you never fall? Let him have his way with me. This heart can make you what you ought to be. His love can cleanse your soul and make you free. Can fill your soul and you will see one step for him to have his way with you. Do you have enough of the power of God on your life where you're free to share your testimony? Somebody that really needs to hear what's happened to you? Do you have enough of the power of God where people are asking, Why are you this way? Isn't it a joy to give your testimony? And you know when you do, the power of God rests upon you. <laughs> you shall be witnesses. If you're struggling at that point and wanting to be a better witness for Christ, His power can make you what you ought to be. Let's sing that last verse in closing. 
Would you in his kingdom find a place of constant rest? Would you pray and in providential death? Would you in his service labor always at your rest? Let him have his way with thee. Can make you what you want to be. His Lord can clench your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see what's best for him to have his way with.